From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil Lee Frankweiler by E. L. Konigsberg. Chapter 9, Part 1. Up the entire length of my long, wide, tree-lined road they came. Do you suppose that Mrs. Frankweiler owns the highway? Jamie asked. The taxi driver answered, This ain't no highway. It's all her property. I tell you, this dame's loaded. In front of the house, this, is this here begins to resemble what you call a normal driveway. Claudia discovered that indeed it does. My tree-lined avenue circles in front of my house. Jamie looked up at my house and said, Another museum. Claudia answered, Then we should feel very much at home. Jamie paid the driver. Claudia pulled his arm and whispered, Tip him. Jamie shrugged his shoulders and gave the driver some money. The driver smiled, took off his hat, bowed from the waist, and said, Thank you, sir. After he drove away, Claudia asked, How much did you give him? Jamie answered, All I had. That was stupid, Claudia said. Now how are we going to get back? Jamie sighed. I gave him 17 cents, so it wasn't such a great tip. Also, it would never be enough to get us back. We're broke. How do you feel about that, Miss Taxi Rider? Pretty uncomfortable, she murmured. There's something nice and safe about having money. Well, Claude, we just traded safety for adventure. Come along, Lady Claudia. You can't call me Lady Claudia anymore. We're paupers now. They ascended the low, wide steps of my porch. Jamie rang the bell. Parks, my butler, answered. We'd like to see Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler, Jamie told him. Whom shall I say is calling? Claudia cleared her throat. <clears throat> Claudia and James Kincaid. Just one moment, please. They were left standing in the reception hall more than one moment, please, before Parks returned. Mrs. Frankweiler says she doesn't know you. We would like her to. Claudia insisted. What is the nature of your business? He asked. Parks always asked that. Both hesitated. Jamie decided on an answer first. Please tell Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler that we are seeking information about the Italian Renaissance. Parks was gone a full ten minutes before his second return. Follow me, he commanded. Mrs. Frankweiler will see you in her office. Jamie winked at Claudia. He felt certain that mentioning the Italian Renaissance had intrigued me. They walked behind Parks through my living room, drawing room, and library, rooms so filled with antique furniture, oriental rugs, and heavy chandeliers that you complain that they are also filled with antique air. Well, a house as old as mine, you can expect everything in it to be thickened by time, even the air. My office surprised them after all this. It surprises everyone. You once told me, Saxonberg, that my office looks more like a laboratory than an office. That's why I call what I do there research. I suppose it does look like a lab furnished as it is with steel, formica, vinyl, and lit by fluorescence. You must admit, though, that there's one feature of the room that looks like an office. That's the rows and rows of filing cabinets that line the walls. I was sitting at one of the tables wearing my customary white lab coat and my Baroque pearl necklace when the children were brought in. Claudia and James Kincaid, Parks announced. I allowed them to wait a good long while. Parks cleared his throat at least six times before I turned around. Of course, Saxonberg, you know that I hadn't wasted the time between Parks' announcement that Claudia and James Kincaid wanted to see me and the time they appeared at the office. I was busy doing research. That was also when I called you. You sounded like anything but a lawyer when I called. Disgusting. 
I could hear the children shuffling back and forth impatiently. The importance of Park's manner is what kept them from interrupting me. They shuffled and scratched, and Jamie even emitted two very false sneezes to attract my attention. It's particularly easy for me to ignore fake sneezes, and I went on with my research. I don't like to waste time, so when I at last turned around, I did so abruptly and asked directly, Are you the children who have been missing from Greenwich for a week? You must admit, Saxonberg, that when the need arises, I have a finely developed sense of theatrics. They had become so used to not being discovered that they had entirely forgotten that they were runaways. Now their reaction was one of amazement. They both looked as if their hearts had been pushed through funnels. All right, I said, you don't have to tell me. I know the answer. How did you know about us? Jamie asked. Did you call the police? Claudia asked at the same time. From the newspapers, I replied, pointing to Jamie, and no, I replied, pointing to Claudia. Now both of you sit down here and talk about the Italian Renaissance. Jamie glanced at the newspapers I had been researching. We're in the newspapers? He seemed pleased. Even your pictures, I nodded. I'd like to see that, Claudia said. I haven't had a decent picture taken since I've been able to walk. Here you are, I held out several papers. Two days before yesterday, you were on the fifth page in Hartford, the second page in Stamford, and the front page in Greenwich. The front page in Greenwich? Claudia asked. That's my school picture from first grade, Jamie exclaimed. See, I don't have one of my front teeth. Goodness, this picture of me is three years old. Mother never even bought my school pictures the last two years. Claudia held up her picture for Jamie to see. Do you think I still look like this? Enough, I said. Now what do you want to tell me about the Italian Renaissance? Is your butler calling the police while you stall us here? Jamie asked. No, I answered, and I refuse to keep reassuring you. If you keep up with this kind of talk, I shall find you so dull that I will call your parents as well as the police to get rid of you. Is that clear, young man? Yes, Jamie muttered. Young lady? Claudia nodded yes. They both stood with bowed heads. Then I asked Jamie, do I frighten you, young man? Jamie looked up. No, ma'am, I'm quite used to frightening things, and you're really not quite so bad looking. So bad looking? I wasn't referring to the way I look. Actually, I never think much about that anymore. I rang for Parks. When he arrived, I told him to please bring me a mirror. Everyone waited in silence until Parks returned with the mirror. Silence continued as I picked it up and began a very long and close inspection of my face. It's not a bad face, except that lately my nose appears to have grown longer and my upper lip appears to have collapsed against my teeth. These things happen when people get older. And I'm getting just that. I ought to do something about my hair besides have Parks cut it for me. It's altogether white now and looks like frayed nylon thread. Maybe I'll take time out and get a permanent wave, except that I hate beauty parlors. My nose has gotten longer, like Pinocchio, but not for the same reason. Well, not most of the time, I said as I put the mirror down. Claudia gasped, and I laughed. Oh, so you were thinking the same thing? No matter. I really never look past my eyes. That way, I always feel pretty. Windows of the soul, you know. Claudia took a step closer to me. You really do have beautiful eyes. They're like looking into a kaleidoscope, the way those golden flecks in them keep catching the light. She was quite close to me now and actually peering into my face. It was uncomfortable. I put a stop to that. Do you spend much time looking in mirrors, Claudia? Some days I do, some days I don't. Would you care to look now? No, thank you, she said. Well then, I said, we'll continue. Parks, please return this mirror. We want to talk about the Italian Renaissance. Jamie, you haven't said one word since you told me that I look frightening. Speak now. Uh, we want to know about the statue, Jamie stammered. Speak up, boy, I commanded. What statue? 
the statue in the Metropolitan Museum in New York in Manhattan, the one of the angel, the one you sold for $225, Claudia added. I walked over to my files of newspaper clippings and pulled out a manila folder, the one which has all the newspaper clippings about the auction and the museum buying the statue. It also contains the article about the crowds going to see the statue. Why did you sell her? Claudia asked, pointing to the picture of Angel. Because I don't like to donate things. If I owned such a lovely statue, I'd never sell it or donate it either. I'd cherish it like a member of my own family, Claudia preached. Considering all the trouble you've caused your family, that isn't saying very much. Have they been worried, she asked. If you hadn't been so busy looking at your picture in the paper, you can you could have read that they are nearly frantic. Claudia blushed, but I wrote them a letter. I told them not to worry. Evidently, your letter didn't work. Everyone is worried. I told them not to, she repeated. We're going home anyway, as soon as you tell us if Michelangelo carved angel. Did he do it? That's my secret, I answered. Where have you been all week? That's our secret, Claudia answered, lifting her chin high. Good for you, I cheered. Now I was certain that I liked these two children. Let's go to lunch. Examining the two of them in that bright light, I saw that they looked wrinkled, dusty, and gray. I instructed them to wash up while I told the cook to prepare for two more. Parks led Jamie to one bathroom. My, med, my maid, Hortense, led Claudia to another. Apparently, Claudia had never enjoyed washing up so much. She took forever doing it. She spent a great deal of time looking into all the mirrors, examining her eyes very carefully. She decided that she, too, was beautiful, but mostly her thoughts were about the beautiful black marble bathtub in that bathroom. Even in this very elegant house of mine, that bathroom was especially grand. All the walls are black marble except for the one that is mirrored entirely. The faucets are gold and the spigot is shaped like a dragon's head. The tub looks like a black marble swimming pool sunken into the floor. There are two steps down to the bottom. There was nothing she wanted more than to take a bath in that tub. She examined her eyes a little longer and then spoke to her image in the mirror. You'll never have a chance, a better chance, Lady Claudia. Go ahead, do it. So she did. She opened the taps and began undressing as the tub was filling up. Meanwhile, Jamie had done his customary job of washing up. That is, he had washed the palms, but not the backs of his hands, his mouth, but not the eyes of his face. He emerged from the bathroom long before Claudia, and growing impatient, he began wandering through rooms until he found Hortense and asked her the whereabouts of his sister. He followed directions to Claudia's bathroom, where he heard the tub still running. It takes a lot of water to fill that tub. Suicide, he thought. She's going to drown herself because we're caught. He tried the door. It was locked. Claudia, he yelled. Is anything the matter? No, she answered. I'll be right there. What's taking you so long? I'm taking a bath, she called. Oh, baloney, Jamie answered. He walked away to find me. I was waiting in the dining room. I'm accustomed to eating on time and I was hungry. That nutty sister of mine is taking a bath. Don't mind her. She even takes bath, baths when she comes in from swimming. She even made us take baths while we were hiding at the Metropolitan Museum. I think we should start without her. I smiled. I think, James, that you have already. I rang for Parks, and he appeared with the salad and began serving. How did Claudia manage to take a bath in the museum? I asked casually. In the fountain. It was cold, but I didn't mind when we found... Oh, uh, I, oh I, uh, I did it. I told. I did it. He rested his elbow on the table and his chin on his hand. He slowly shook his head. Sometimes I stink at keeping secrets. Don't tell Claudia. I told, please. I'm curious to know how you managed. 
I was curious, and you know that I can be absolutely charming when I want information. Let Claude tell you all that. She did the planning. I managed the money. She's big on ideas, but she's also big on spending money. I managed fine until today. Now we're broke. Not one cent left to get back to Greenwich. You can walk or hitchhike. Try telling that to Claude. Or you can turn yourselves in. The police will take you back and your parents will come and get you. Maybe that will appeal to Claudia, but I doubt it, even though she sure doesn't approve of making herself walk. Perhaps we can work out a deal. You give me some details and I'll give you a ride back. Jamie shook his head. You'll have to work that out with Claude. The only deal I can make concerns money and we don't have any more of that. You are poor indeed if that's the only kind of deal you can make. Jamie brightened. Would you like a game of cards? Which game? I asked. War. I assume you cheat. Yeah, he sighed. I may decide to play after lunch anyway. Can we start eating now? Jamie asked. You don't worry about manners too much, do you? Oh, he replied. I don't worry about them too much when I'm this hungry. You're honest about some things. Jamie shrugged his shoulders. You might say that I'm honest about everything except cards. For some reason, I'm helpless about cheating at cards. Let's eat, I said. I was anxious, for I do enjoy a good game of cards, and Jamie promised to provide just that. Claudia appeared as we were finishing our soup. I saw that she was annoyed that we had not waited for her. She was all bound up in concern for good manners, and she wanted very much to let us know that she was annoyed and why. She acted cool. I pretended I didn't notice. Jamie didn't pretend. He simply did not notice. I'll skip the soup, Claudia announced. It's good, Jamie said. Sure you don't want to try it? No, thank you, Claudia said, still cool. I summoned Parks. He appeared bearing a silver casserole. What's this? Jamie asked. Nouilles et fromage in casserole, Parks answered. Claudia showed interest. I'll have some, please. Sounds like something special. Parks served. Claudia looked down at her plate and looked up at me and moaned, Why, it's nothing but macaroni and cheese. You see, I laughed, under the fancy trappings, I'm just a plain lady. Claudia laughed then too. We all did. And we began enjoying our lunch. I asked Claudia what she would like to do while Jamie and I played cards. She said that she would like to watch us and think. Think about what? About how we're going to get back home. Call up your family, I suggested. They'll come for you. Oh, it's so hard to explain over the phone. It will just cause so much commotion. I was astounded. You still don't think you've caused any commotion so far? I haven't really thought about it very hard. I've been so busy worrying about Michelangelo and avoiding getting caught. If only you'd tell me if the statue was done by Michelangelo, then I would feel that I could go home again. Why would that make a difference? I asked. It would because, because, because you found that running away from home didn't make any real difference. You're still the same Greenwich Claudia planning and washing and keeping things in order. I guess that's right, Claudia said quietly. Then why did you run away? Claudia's words came slowly. She was forming thoughts into the shapes of words for the first time in a long time. I got the idea because I was mad at my parents. That was getting the idea. Then I started planning it. I thought that I had to think of everything, and I thought of an awful lot, didn't I, Jamie? She looked over at her brother, and he nodded. I enjoyed the planning, without anyone knowing that I was doing it. I'm very good at planning. And the more plans you made, the more it became like living at home away from home, I interrupted. That's true, she said, but we did enjoy living away from home in a mild kind of way. Notice that Claudia is still being very careful not to, real t 
not to reveal to me where she and Jamie stayed. I wasn't ready to push yet. I felt I had to help this child. Don't laugh as you read this, Saxonberg. I do have some real charity in me. What part of living away from home did you like the best? Jamie answered first. Not having a schedule. Claudia became impatient. But Jamie, we did have a schedule, sort of. The best that I could manage under the circumstances. That wasn't the most fun part of running away. What was the most fun part for you, Claudia? First, it was hiding, not being discovered. And after hiding became easy, there was Angel. Somehow, Angel became more important than running away. How did Angel become involved with your running away? I purred. I won't tell you, Claudia answered. I put on my surprised look and asked, why not? Because if I tell you how Angel got involved, it will be telling you too much else. Like telling me where you've been all week? Maybe, she answered coolly. Why don't you want to tell me that? I told you before, that's our secret. Oh, no, you don't want to lose your bargaining weapon, I crowed. Is that why you're not telling me where you stayed? That's part of the reason, she said. The other part is, I think the other part is, if I tell, then I know for sure my adventure is over. And I don't want it to be over until I'm sure I've had enough. The adventure is over. Everything gets over and nothing is ever enough, except the part that you carry with you. It's the same as going on vacation. Some people spend all their time on vacation taking pictures, so when they get home, they can show their friends evidence that they had a good time. They don't pause to let the vacation enter inside of them and take them home. Well, I don't really want to tell you where we've been. I know, I answered. Claudia looked at me. Do you know I don't want to tell you, or do you know where we've been? Which do you mean? Both, I told her quietly. I resumed eating the macaroni and cheese casserole.